my great joy to introduce to you the three musketeers hailing from the land of remote work. We have Marissa, career coach and queen of all. We have Jeff, our sassy SEO shaman. And we have Diego, who has spent his 20s building a community of remote working lunatics. Sure, these folks are going to be the people that will get you beach commute ready. And they'll do it in the most exciting way possible. So, happy listening. Welcome, everybody, to the Digital Nomad Experts podcast brought to you by Beach Commute. You've got Jeff and Marissa here today. We're going to do five rapid-fire career questions for digital nomad jobs. So these are five questions sent in from the audience. We haven't read them yet. We copy-pasted them into a document. We've got them in another tab, and we're going to jump back and forth from the tab and ask each other these questions, and hopefully we're going to come up with some good answers for you. So uh, we've done this before in the past. Uh, the audience seems to like it quite a bit. It's a little nerve-wracking on, end, on our end because we have no idea what's coming up next. But all in all, I think it's, <laughs> what do you think, Marissa? I think they're, these are pretty fun. We have fun with them. They're always surprising. They're always fun. I think all the ones we've done in the past have been general digital nomad questions for they rapid were. fire. So this one's specifically career questions, which is my expertise. So I'm like, should be able to answer them all <laughs> we joke no we will but we'll see and uh, jeff has so much experience with career and hiring and digital nomad work stuff so we're excited we hope this helps you and yeah drum roll i guess jeff what's the first question i'm just gonna kick them over to you by the way <laughs> you ask me questions <laughs> I, nope <laughs> so you're, yes, you're actually yes. gonna do all the work i'm just gonna play out <laughs> I'm gonna give it a best shot. all right so we'll do one for you one for me and then i'll, I'll do my best and you jump in there and set me back on my on my path yeah and if you're new to listening as well i feel like it's fair to say that i've i've been a career coach for i don't even know how many years more than six years at this point focusing specifically on digital nomad career coaching for people too and i've worked in this space i used to do recruiting for pepsi many years ago and worked in uh, my business school career office so this is my passion i love it and yeah we're here to help you today so let's kick it off jeff all right let's give it a go first question coming at you all right, what do we got? Marissa, <laughs> is it necessary to follow traditional career paths to secure a remote work lifestyle, or are there alternative routes that can lead to location-independent careers? Ooh, this is a fun <laughs> one. I feel like you could answer this one just as well, Jeff. I feel like I almost want to kick it off. To, do you want to do this one to start? Because I don't know what else. Or do you want me to start either way? I'll give it my personal opinion, then you give it yeah. a professional opinion. How about that? I, my answer is going to be no. I don't think there I don't think there is really, looking around at our successful digital nomad friends, I don't think there is a quote-unquote traditional career path that most no. of them have taken, or like any of them have really taken. <laughs> they, I mean, they, they just range across the board of strange backgrounds, and they ended up yeah. kind of in their place, uh, which is kind of in my opinion, I think that's kind of the fun part and the liberating part of being a digital nomad and working remote independent, there's there's no direct pathway to get there. Like you can kind of carve your own path into this lifestyle, um, which I did, uh, you did, um, Diego's an oddball too, like, <laughs> all over the place. But yeah, uh, uh, that's just that's just my opinion and what I've seen, I've seen quite a bit. But like, yeah, give give me your uh, give me like a professional opinion from. Uh, from a, a coaching standpoint. Yeah, I love this. So years ago, Diego and I actually looked um, based on our community of, of 1200 digital nomads of what the most common career was. And I wish I could remember the percentage now. It's not on the top of my head, but there are, we looked at, there were seven most common careers 
that people were doing across the board. And I'm going to make it up and say, let's say that makes up like 50% of the jobs. And I'll mention a couple of those are. And I feel like the rest are totally non-traditional and fun, or maybe it's like 60, 40 or something like that. But you do have your typical digital nomad path, which is a lot of marketers, which was you, Jeff. Um, you have a lot of writers, a lot of like programs, software development, that sort of thing, customer success, which is more of like your customer service type of role. So those are just a couple examples. We have some resources on our website if you want to check out the seven most popular careers for digital nomads, but those only take up a percentage. So it's fun like when I think about those and when I also think about like a very traditional career path of when I was in, in business school and college, there was like four traditional paths that everyone in my business class went into, which was either finance, consulting, accounting, or marketing. And I thought those were like the only four things I could do. So I chose marketing because it was the best fit of those. And so I lived in New York and LA for many years, you know, surrounded by people who were doing most of those careers. And then when I started my digital nomad life, it was, it was mind blowing and so much fun to really start to see so many different career paths of people from all different countries, all different, you know, finances, backgrounds, education levels, just doing bizarre and cool things and making just as much money or more money and feeling probably a lot happier because they'd found these, these cool paths. So, you know, there's people do, I'm trying to think of some fun examples off the top of my head. Do you have one? Professional gambler. The guy traveled yeah. around with this like you know, huge monitor system and it had its own suitcase for all of his shit, all of his like sports <laughs> watching stuff. And he had monitors, yeah. monitors, monitors, and he was watching sports and he was gambling. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I don't, I'm not going to sit here and recommend you get into a career path of gambling, but like, this is just to say it can go in any direction. There, there is, there's no yeah. traditional path. Same. I met professional poker players, all of that yeah. one too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, some, yeah, like you mentioned, some just do lend themselves well to this kind of lifestyle just because like the nature of it, of being online, yeah. like marketing, you kind of do that anywhere. This doesn't really require you being on the ground, like interviewing people or working with your hands or anything like that. So some things just lend themselves well to it. But that doesn't mean it's exclusive to these 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 like no traditional digital nomad jobs. And there's people who have been like dating coaches or working in I mean there's SEO people like you but working on weird niches. There's people, you know, we have lawyers who have worked as digital nomads that have traveled with us. We've got all like all sorts of strange things, people, you know, selling chocolate or like who, who knows <laughs> what like there's there's yeah there's all sorts of things but all of this to say like there are call it 60 percent doing the traditional sort of paths and then there's 40 percent which are just doing like totally non-traditional random things which are so much fun and especially now that you see like i feel like there's so many new careers that have popped up just with social media um, social media managers, people doing content creation, people doing video editing, sound, like there's just like the list goes on and on. And now more entrepreneurial, I feel like you see people making money. I saw one posted today that there's a guy who just like sings videos on um, <laughs> like on social media and people pay him like, I think it was like $60 a video or something to create like unique happy birthday videos right. for people, you know, like people, yeah. people do all sorts of things. People are, are DJs. People are making sounds. There was a guy on a digital nomad cruise who he would go 
like find these really remote places where there was no ambient sound from like, like deep into nature. And he was recording sounds that he would sell to companies for like to use and video, like just the list goes on and on. So I feel like I need to actually like make a list of this sometime and just share those because I'm, I'm just like scratching the surface with all the weird jobs that we've seen people doing, but all of this to say, and they have real careers. And that's just a mindset shift that I really had to go into as well, just more from the coaching side that you don't have to do finance, accounting, business, consulting, marketing, you know, or law or something like that to have a great growing career. Like I didn't, I didn't even know career coaching was a thing, right? Like when I was back in school and that's what I've been doing while traveling the world for, you know, six, seven, eight years. Mm -hmm. So all of that to say, yeah, think out, you can do the traditional career, but also so many people are thinking outside the box and just doing the coolest things. And we've talked about this a lot on the show, Jeff, but I think getting out into digital nomad life and you're surrounded by these different people doing different things helps you with your own creativity too. and helps you discover a career path that maybe you never would have considered or thought of before. And maybe partner, you know, this is how beach commute was created as well. Like we all just met in Bolivia and we're like, we should do this together, you know? So anyway, that's my thoughts there. My, my venture outside of working for an organization, like I, I've got just one client I do some work for and it's just business data analytics. They didn't know they yeah. needed it. And I was like, Hey, <laughs> I look at a lot of marketing data across all channels, like email, social SEO, website, traffic, yeah. conversion rate, optimization, all that kind of stuff. It's like, Maybe that's a job. And I told them, do you think this is a job? And they're like, yeah, we think it's a job. We're going to hire to do that. Like, cool. I didn't even know. I just, I didn't, I don't even know if that's the name of the job. Thomas, like, our friend Thomas, Lithuanian Thomas is a data analyst. Yeah, that's definitely a job. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Then it is, then it is a job. Yeah. I don't know. It's kind of fun to think that you can pretty much you come, come up with create your own job. job. You can create a job. Absolutely. Yeah. There's, there's, yeah. Let's, let's, right, well, number let's go two. into number two. Are you reading it or am I? You're, you're reading it to me and I'm going to try to struggle through Yes, I love it. Okay, number two. And again, if you're listening, these questions are totally surprises. We have not read these. Okay, number two. How, <laughs> I have no idea what this will be. How do you effectively market yourself to potential employers or clients as a remote worker, showcasing the unique value you bring compared to traditional in-office employees? Oh, boy. Okay. Um, <laughs> the response, oh, boy. <laughs> Why? That's that's. I could say what I would do because I haven't I haven't had to do that. I'd be curious to know. <laughs> yeah, for me, I think it has more to do with the output than it does where you're located. I try to I try to lean on what I'm gonna get done. Like if I'm yeah. if I'm doing something or if I'm proposing something for a prospective new client to do, whatever that my new business data analytics that I just pulled out of thin air apparently or SEO. <laughs> I'm just going to show them. It's a very them. real job. I love that. <laughs> all the things I could. Yeah. 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 All the, all the things that I can do, all the things that I've done in the past and how I'm going to yeah. do it and lean on my expertise and the output. And then the question, actually, I had this with a client the other day. They're like, what happens when you go to Romania? What's going to happen with the jobs? I'm like, I'm going to keep working. And they're like, oh, okay. <laughs> and okay. like, because that those questions do come up. Like, where are you going to be? Is it going to impact your work? Uh, are you going to be different than a, like a in-office worker? And I'm j I just emphasize, here's what I'm going to get done. This is what we contracted yeah. to do. And here's my capabilities. And here's my track record lean into that and then there's there's no question and you just tell them you're going to keep working like normal and 
As, well, another interesting thing about this, I don't know if I would go this direction and talk to an employer, a potential employer about this, but I do know that most people that go into the office are not productive most of the day. Just, what was this? It's like, it's like actually the <laughs> Two productivity hours and time. Seven minutes is like, holy the shit, I think you got it right. Actually working. Yeah. 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 Present does not equal productive. A lot of people are just no, screw, versus screw like nine hours there. You're doing work yeah. like two hours of time. Yeah. And it, it's been a weird adjustment for me working you know not at an organization just I've been working remote for years like at least five I think like six or seven years at this point but it's been adjustment yeah. for me because I'm still like I had that mindset still be present for nine hours in front of the laptop not necessarily mm-hmm. productive but present and now <laughs> working for beach commute and working for myself like I'll I'll string together like four or five solid hours of work and I'll have done more than I did in an entire day working for a company. Yeah. And then all of a sudden I'll realize like, oh man, I'm, like my I'm brain kind of, is tired. My, yeah. my brain is tired. Why is that? I only worked four or five hours. Not really. Like yeah. you, you kind of yeah. like compress your time a lot more. I don't know how I got I totally on agree. the tangent, but let me, <laughs> that's my, that's my answer. I think lean in your capabilities and uh, what you're going to get done as opposed to trying to defend your position, just Talk about what you're yeah. going to do and what you're going to get done. I would say that definitely works well, especially when you are applying for or working with a company who's already who already have a lot of like remote workers or are like used to the idea. So like if you come mm-hmm. to work at Beach Commute, we're probably not going to say like what makes you like, how can you work remotely? Because like, it's what we do is what we live. It's what we breathe. Like we know it's possible. Um, but especially for like, if you are trying to negotiate with a company that mostly has an office employees or isn't super familiar with it, or maybe you've been working there and are trying to like get permission to leave or, or if you're just interviewing at a company who maybe has like a hybrid mix of both or it's new or they're just not sure. Uh, I do think it is really helpful. Like you said, Jeff, like the person who said like when you're going to Romania they don't understand it's like that equals vacation that equals unavailable not working so if you're going to start traveling I do think it can be really helpful you kind of have to go above and beyond to state the things that you'll do to combat what people think in their mind you're not going to be doing so like I'm going to be available at these times you know I've I've worked when I've even if you've been on vacation for a week or you like went to the beach or a weekend or working and you've done this before just say like I'll be extra communicative I'll be you know available and and don't go overboard say what you really well you will be able to do but like I'll be available during these hours you can reach me on slack or whatsapp or text or phone or email like you don't have to do all of them but like you know find the communication that will work talk about you know I promise I've researched the wi-fi ahead of time I'm I'm gonna have stable internet you're not gonna notice a difference so there's things that you can kind of go above and beyond to make sure your employer trusts that you'll be one reachable to again like with that solid connection not like on a beach with no wi-fi cutting in and out which does happen uh so maybe go to an easier place to start but yeah it really is above and beyond I would say just communicating of what you'll do that you wouldn't necessarily, you know, if you just are in an office working for them, there are things that you wouldn't have to think about. So yeah, does that make sense? Yeah. And I'm really glad that you brought up that. That first two months is like the really, that's the acid test. That's like the nervous period. Yeah. Uh, And so like leading up to that, you got to promise all your community, all the communications, all the availability and all that kind of stuff. And then you got to really deliver on that. I remember when I first became digital nomad, I was just like super hyper communicative with everything. Yeah. Like over the top. They're like, oh my God, this guy's like 
responding too fast. Give me a break. Like, okay, (laughs) just need to set a precedent that I'm not on vacation because people don't get it yet. Like you mentioned, people don't, don't quite equate this with working a normal work day. They think it is kind of vacation and it's not. And you have to really, really show that to them. And once you get the first, you know, one month, two months, three months out of the way, and then they just get into routine. They're like, oh, okay, this guy just does a different lifestyle and it's fine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it is important. I remember, so I worked in New York. I was in, you know, Pepsi headquarters in our office, you know, most days of the week. And then I negotiated to work remotely from LA for, um, I did that for about two years. And I had a boss who was new to the company as well when I started working out there. And we actually had a lot of trouble. Like I, I didn't understand that I had to communicate way differently being out of the office. And I was kind of doing the same thing I was before when I would, you know, see a boss just in the office and in meetings. Mm -hmm. And it was a little bit of a struggle at first. Like we really had to talk a lot. She was like, I, and she liked to communicate differently than I was used to as well. She was like, I need you to call me, just call me about these things. And I was like, but emails work just just fine. And she was like, this is what I like. And I really had to adjust Mm -hmm. to my manager's style at that time. So, you know, I would say be mindful of that when you're talking about how you can be a good remote workers say, you know, here's my ideas, but I am open to communicating, you know, when and how you need is really important for that hiring manager. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a really good point. Yeah. They might have, they might be talkers. I had uh, some of the, some of the folks, (laughs) never know. Yeah. Some of the folks I worked with before did better in meetings. And that meant like that's a different, a different way of carrying yourself at work. It's like, all right, I got to be available for a face to face like we're looking at yeah. each other right now kind of thing. Some people are just like strictly Slack when people are strictly email. Yeah. So it's just like, yeah, figure yeah. that stuff out and just eliminate the problem before it becomes one for sure. We're going to take a quick pause right there to tell you about our remote travel jobs daily. Are you currently looking for a job that's going to allow you to become a digital nomad and work and travel around the world? We've got exactly what you're looking for. Every week, as part of our free plan, we handpick two jobs that are perfect for becoming a digital nomad that allow you to work and travel around the world while you're doing it. That's two jobs per week for free. We also have a premium plan in which we send out two handpicked jobs that are also perfect for becoming a digital nomad every single day, Monday through Friday. So that's 40 handpicked jobs by us that are ideal for becoming a digital nomad. So make sure you take a look at these two plans. It is beachcommute.com slash travel jobs. That's beachcommute.com backslash travel jobs. All the details will be there. Okay, so number three. In a globally competitive job market, what strategies can one employ to stand out and secure remote work opportunities over other candidates? It's a great question for you. Mm, this is a great question. And uh, like, I think it, it actually really just goes back to what I teach for standing out for anything as well. So there's there's a little caveat in this question, which is the market is becoming globally competitive, which means you know, before, let's say you were living in San Francisco, you were competing only against other people, you know, other talent in San Francisco. So this just means the job market has gotten more and more competitive because maybe you can hire cheaper, um, 
I say labor is, is the wrong word, but a cheaper candidate and, you know, who's working from a different country. So you're having now this globally competitive job market. So one is um, you can just keep honing in on a skill set, right? The more skilled you are at something, the more valuable and the more you stand out. So this really does mean there, there's such a word with, with coaching, which is like niche down. So yeah. the more niche skill you I know have, that word. the more value. <laughs> I know. Word. Well, it's just like, I just, not that you wouldn't know the word, but it, it's like people always talk about having like a coaching, a coaching niche, right? So for example, if I was just a general coach, which I also, you know, my clients come to me for career and I actually do generally help with so many parts of your, your love life or other parts of life or your relationships, friendships, whatever. But if I just went out and said, I'm a general coach, almost probably no one would find me. But because I'm like, I'm a career coach, I've traveled the world, I do this, like I help digital nomads. If you're looking for me, like you're going to come to me, right? And the same goes with the job market there. So if you're like, oh, I'm a marketer, it's like, cool. But if you're like Jeff, who for so many years is like, I am great with analytics. If you need help with search engine optimization, SEO, um, like, like I've got this experience. I will do this, this, and this. Like he nails it in the most specific niche, and he's very hireable because he has such a love and passion and skill set for something that he's really honed in on. So this is just one way that you can really stand out if you're going to apply for a job. Like get really specific on like what is your skill? Like are you a really great writer? Are you a really good communicator or salesperson or? analytics or great at emotionally understanding people, you know, it depends on what you're doing or a great, you know, you are a great coder specifically for this type of software. That's one way to do it. The other thing is regardless of how general or, you know, niche or skilled you are, the other way to stand out, and this is what people hate to hear, but I will say it till I'm blue in the face, is talk to real humans at companies. If you are just applying to a hundred jobs, you even if you are the Jeff of the world or you are super skilled at something and you might be the most perfect candidate, if you just submit your application online and even write a nice little, you know, cover letter with it you very well might be looked over because there's just such a sea of applicants that you're not going to stand out. And the best way to do this, and we teach inside of our courses, we, I just did a masterclass about this, and, and we'll, we'll talk about other ways, if, I guess, reach out if you are looking for any of those resources. But basically, like you need to find ways, and again, there's a, there's a specific way I teach this, which is go and find, even if you don't know anyone at the company, there's ways to find them, reach out to them, set up phone calls. There's ways to get them to talk to you, to have even just a 15-minute Zoom conversation is the ideal goal. Even if it's not the hiring manager or the HR manager, like you just want to talk to a human at that company who can then help you say, Oh, this job is open. I know I know the right person to give your resume to. And so those are I would say two kind of different aspects of how you should stand out in that job market. Any it's, other thoughts? Jeff? It's such a cheat doing that. Like I I mean, it's but like no a, one does it. And nobody <laughs> does it because it's hard work. It's really it is hard work. Yeah, it really it really is. It really is uh, hard work. But like we said before, we've actually talked about this at length in other podcasts. I don't yeah. have it on me, but it's hard work and it just increases your hit rate yeah. by a huge percentage because you, you toss out the 100 applications like we talked about before it feels good it feels productive yes. but you're not going to get any <laughs> you're not going to get any response because nope. everybody else is doing the same thing so how do you stand yeah. out you stand out by putting in the harder work and you'll get you know i don't know what your hit rate will increase to but i guarantee it'll be a lot more when i was hiring people the only people i would hire were the people that did that because yeah 
I would throw something on Indeed and I get 250 applications. I'm like overwhelmed because we didn't have a screening manager and a lot of people don't have anybody <laughs> screening. So yeah. it's me. So I'm not going to screen. I'm going to wait for the people that are hungry, the people that reach <laughs> out directly to me and say, Hey, yeah. let me introduce myself or like, just give me, give me five minutes or something like that. Like, stand out and then that grabs my attention it's like okay cool you're making my job easier because i'm looking for somebody that's hungry for the job and anytime you make my job easier that's what you're supposed to be doing as my employee anyway so you're already getting started right so i i love love that response it's so true yeah and there's really a skill i always say this is again we just taught this in the last master class you might have missed it but people always think that they should talk about like themselves and what everyone writes those emails wrong or whether you're sending a message on LinkedIn, we teach the opposite and I've gotten really good. Like I said, we're, we're looking for some, some support coaches, some people to hire within a program we might be launching soon. Hint, hint here, beach commute. Um, but I actually was, you know, sending some cold emails out to people and I've gotten so good at writing it and teaching this that somebody actually wrote back to me and said, I've literally never responded to a cold email before, but this one was so good. I couldn't not respond. And so that's what we teach. And that's what we, you have to, I don't see, you know, 98% of people get jobs by, by doing that. And so anyway, yeah, those are two different ways, but you know, get skilled, focus on one thing. I think that's the other thing that I mentioned, you know, if you're not niche, people are applying to hundreds of different jobs and it's not clear on your resume or your communication, like what you're good at or what you like. So Also, don't be afraid if you're hearing this and you're like, I'm not niche. I'm not skilled at one thing. Just make your resume look like it. Like even if you've done 10 different things, pick one and just talk about it. Focus that on your resume. Like make that the skill you want to apply for and just search for jobs within that. Because when you're looking for everything, like Jeff was talking about, you're just throwing things against the wall and no one's going to respond to you because it comes across that way. So get really specific about you know, what you want to do people. I don't know why people are like so afraid to do that. And that's what I love helping people with. We've got a great masterclass as well that helps you figure out like, what is that right career? That's something I love, love, love. It's one of my favorite topics to help people with. Yeah. Get real niche into just what you want to do. And then, and then, you know, study things, read some books, read some blog posts, just make it feel like you, you know, that thing, you want that thing. And you only want to do that thing. Even if you change in a year or two, like you're not locked into this thing forever. I think people forget that as well. And then, yeah, be really specific in your outreach. So I think that concludes number three. Well, yeah. yeah. Uh, do us a favor real quick. Just take 30 seconds, hop onto whatever you're on right now. If you're on uh, Apple podcast, uh, jump on there and just give us a quick review. Uh, if you don't have time to type in a review, just give us the five-star <laughs> button. Helps us out a ton. Or however uh, many stars you want. We like the honesty here. <laughs> uh, all right, I guess. <laughs> we, actually, we hope it's the five-star. <laughs> only got two four-star reviews. I, I don't think we had – it was funny. Actually, my old podcast, it was a marketing podcast, and uh, we had a whole bunch of reviews, and one of them was a two-star review that said, meh. M E H. It was my favorite review that we've ever received. Because <laughs> like it could have gone anywhere. I don't know. It could. Uh, no, yeah. we would love the five star. It helps you find whatever. Yeah, it helps other yeah. people find those podcasts. So we thank you. Uh, right. And if you're on <laughs> Spotify, joke. you can also. I think there's a new feature. You can add, you actually can review it, and then you can give us a follow, so it automatically uh, adds our podcast to the download. Okay, cool. So my turn. Yeah. Number four, number four, let's see. Can remote work truly provide the same level of job security? This is a great question. And stability 
as traditional office-based careers, or are there inherent risks and uncertainties involved? Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> um, again, I can only speak from my perspective and the things that I've seen. Uh, there was zero added risk when I was a remote worker, when I was working for yeah. a company. Uh, I, I, I don't see those two things as correlated, even really related at all between risk and traveling. I don't see why it yeah. would be. I mean, the, the only risks that I see as somebody used to employ a lot of people would be the company having some sort of existential risk, like a competitor comes into the space or they're having like problems with sales and then the company tanks um, or performance mm -hmm. risk. If somebody is like, I guess it could be related to traveling. If they've got performance issues related to traveling, that could be a risk to your job as well. But just the nature of working and traveling, I do not see as adding any particular risk other than your own performance, really. Unless I'm misinterpreting yeah. the question. I don't, do you see anything else to it? No, I think the reason people ask this question is there's such a fear. Like, let's say you are living in your, you know, your home, your home base, where you have a community, maybe a family nearby, people you know. If you lose your job there, Obviously, that's not ideal, but it's a safer way to lose your job, right? Like, there's maybe you can move oh. in with a friend or family member. You don't, have, you're not across the world. It's not I as see. scary. I get it. So, I think like there isn't a difference. So, to answer the question, um, I think there is, as Jeff said, equal stability. Like, there's no difference, and it's not like 80% more people are losing their jobs when they're remote workers or right. something like that. I think it's the same risk to lose your job, whether you're in an office or working remotely for a company that's is the same there. But I think in people's minds, it feels scarier because a lot of people say, you know, what if you are, you know, in Thailand halfway across the world and you lose your job? So hopefully, and I think we've talked about this some as well, like, and you know, this, this is always people's advice is like, ideally you have three to six months of savings to live off of, you know, before you go, you should always at least have enough money to buy a flight home <laughs> or to whatever, so like a, someone, you, a family member, a friend, someone you could like crash on their couch with. But also it's, it's a lot of people actually start working early or like move abroad to do that because there's other countries where the cost of living is so much lower. So let's say you do lose your job. Maybe you're in Asia where rent is, you know, a third of the price of what you'd be paying elsewhere. And so you can live three times as longer without having a job should that happen. So yeah, the in, in short, there is no more risk of losing your job while you are traveling versus otherwise. And I think this actually opens you up to more jobs, more opportunities, because you're not only looking at companies within your you know, exact location, but mentally, it, I think this is why I love coaching. I, I love the emotional side of everything too, which is you got to work through the fear of, yes, you, you could lose your job. That's, you know, we, we're not saying life is perfect. Um, and what happens if that, you know, we've, I think our, our friend Rachel talks about this during COVID on the, or she was on the podcast talking about her experience during COVID where several of the people she was with lost their jobs and what they did. Um, but also you're building such a network of other remote workers that it's actually often easier to get a job through someone that you know while you're traveling in my experience. So yeah, that's, that's my answer there. Question number All five right. for you. Let's see. Oh boy, this is timely. How does the rise oh of automation and mm -hmm. artificial intelligence impact the future prospects of remote work? And what skills should individuals focus on developing to remain relevant in this evolving landscape? Ooh. I love that. Good one. So I know some people are afraid like everyone will lose their job. Robots are going to take over the world. 
I actually am super excited about AI and I think it's just a matter of like evolve with the times people. (laughs) That's, that's my, um, yeah, that's, it's my overall, but, but in more detail, I think that the nature of some jobs will change, right? So we have a lot of people who have been software developers or writing code and suddenly there's not going to be as much of a need for the same amount of code, but they're still going to need people to say, how do you ask this, this, like, how do you ask AI the right prompts to get the code? How do you tweak it to make sure everything's like, it's not going to be perfect for a long time. So instead of, thinking like, oh, this is going to replace me, say, how can I start learning this? Even within career coaching, in the masterclass we taught, I think it was last week, two weeks ago, I can't remember, but we were talking about how to get those remote jobs and it talked about outreach. So I'm using AI to say, like, here's copy and paste of this company. How can you specifically write me an intro letter using information from this, right? I'm taking resumes. So maybe people have been like resume writers as a job, for example, right? And now AI can do that, but not everyone's going to know how to use it or how to do it well or what to look for or what errors. So you can use that to your advantage. You can probably charge just as much, but take that time and say, hey, AI, fix this resume, create this resume, but you're still going to need humans to know how to ask it, what to ask it how to look it over. So those are just a couple of examples. But in short, I was I was talking example, uh, my sister-in-law is a lawyer. And she was saying, you know, she's been doing this for many years. But she was like, I don't know, I feel like we're not going to need all those junior people anymore, because AI can do this job now. Um, but instead, like, you're gonna say, if you can be an expert of like, how do you ask AI this question? How are, like, are you the best person to use AI to help this company. And there's other jobs like I think what I do, for example, with like emo- anything that has to do with emotions and real humans and coaching, like that's still very much in need and, and won't go away. Maybe that will change and shift. But in short, yeah, start to use it to your advantage, start to learn it. How could it make you more efficient and faster? And yeah, those I guess those are my initial thoughts. Any questions or anything to add to that, Jeff? Yeah, in my world it's it's a pretty big deal too because Coming from marketing, we're seeing AI mm-hmm. uh, enter the space in a huge way, especially ChatGPT came out. That kind of shook things up quite a bit. Google SGE is coming out with their ChatGPT equivalent in search results. That's content writing, impact, SEO impact, that kind of thing. And everybody, like this always happens. Everybody pulls a chicken little <laughs> They think the sky is falling. They think that it's uh, it's all or nothing. Yeah, we're going to be yeah. completely obsolete and replaced. But uh, in reality, when you look at these things, usually what happens is what you're talking about is you take this AI and you use it to augment your job. You make yourself better using the AI yeah. along with your skill set as opposed to replacing your skill set. So, for, for example, one of the biggest fears is that people are – going to be losing content writers going to be losing their jobs because chat gpt can pop out a 2000 word article in you know 30 seconds uh, and that's that's just definitely not the case and in this particular instance uh google's now released an algorithm update which uh it's looking for first-hand experience like when we talked about niching down they're looking for content that niches down into a specific area so that means no general stuff like you're going to get in uh, like a chat GPT or an AI response. It's going to be fairly general. It's not going to be using I statements. It's not going to be using screenshots from the things that you know that work and from personal firsthand experience. So, so what a good like specialized 
And again, we're talking about specialized writers are going to be able to talk about those things that Google is going to be looking for. And what they can do is they can use chat GPT to get ideas. They can use it to uh, yeah. structure your structure your article. Uh, it can help you generate more ideas around what you want to talk about. Like, oh, I didn't think about XYZ topic that I could potentially add in there. So it can make you yeah. even stronger and more in depth with what you're going to be talking about from your firsthand perspective that Google's going to be looking for. So like it's it really does it, it really does come down to taking this AI, incorporating it into your skill set and making you even yeah. a more competitive professional out there in the workforce. But I as far as I've seen, it's there is no situation where AI is is taking jobs from any of the remote workers that I know because it's just first up, it's like Part of it is what you just talked about. There's no emotional component to it. Like it's missing. Yeah. It's always going to be missing that perspective, that firsthand perspective, the emotion that goes into it that people are looking for. And then in my world, in marketing, your potential customers are looking for, Google's looking for, all that kind of stuff. Uh, so there is, as far as I'm concerned, there's always going to be space for specialists uh, and they're not going to yeah. be crowded out by AI. But you do... Like you said you gotta adapt, right? We gotta, you gotta level, mm -hmm. you gotta level up because this stuff is here, and your and your competitors, yeah. meaning the people that are competing for your job, they're gonna know how to use this shit. And I would say, like the the question here is like, what skills should individuals focusing on developing to remain relevant? Is the question. So yeah, I think what I'm hearing from both of us is the skills you should be focusing on is like keep doing what you're doing, but how can you use AI to make you more valuable, to make you better? Mm -hmm. Like, how can you learn it to use it to your advantage? Because if we had somebody come to us or you know, if you're hiring and they're like, hey, I can do this and I'm up to date on all these AI trends, I can use it to make me even more efficient. Like, look at what, you know, look at the things I can do to help us together. I'd be like, hell yeah. You know? Yeah. So I would say, I always think about, you know, Blockbuster into Netflix. I don't know if that obviously is, is more of a US centric example in, in some ways, but um, like don't become the Blockbuster, right? Like Netflix evolved over time and you start to, that was like just when the internet became a thing and everyone's like, oh my God, the internet's going to ruin everything. And so this is just the next level. So get ahead of the curve and start to like, how do you use AI as your friend, not your enemy? <laughs> that's yeah. my, that's my overall. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a good way to wrap it up. Yes, perfect. So yeah, if you never want to miss out on like some of the master classes we're talking about, that one's come and gone already, but check out beachcommute.com slash email. If you want to get on our email list, we share when things like that are happening. And also we send out two remote jobs that you can do. Uh, while you travel the world like us every, so we send those out every single week and just info about our podcast. So beachcommute.com slash email. If you want to hop on there, anything else, Jeff, what are we, we missing? I don't think we've got, do we have anything coming up? I don't think so. <laughs> I think we're in okay, a, not yet. I yeah. I think, I think we're in a relaxed state right now. I think we're good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like that. We're chilling. <laughs> we're, we're chilling for a little we're bit. Chilling. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> on that, thanks for joining us and we will see you next week. Bye. Bye.